Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Good evening, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the program. Now, on with tonight's show. Good evening, everybody. This is Terry from Texas with lucky episode number 13 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Tonight, I want to tell you a story about a country singer. His name was Johnny Horton. You may wonder, why am I talking about a country singer? Well, Johnny Horton had some pretty strange things happening in his life. And in reference to his death, it it gets weirder. John LaGale Horton was born in Los Angeles, California in April of 1925. He was raised in Rusk, Texas. That's in Cherokee County, Texas. He went to school and graduated from Gallatin High School. And he attended Lon Morris College in Jacksonville, Texas on a basketball scholarship. He didn't finish there, but he went to another college called Seattle University. And he didn't finish there, and he came back to Texas to play basketball at Baylor University up in Waco, but he didn't finish there either. In 1948, he left Texas for Alaska to go mine for gold or pan for gold, however you look for gold in Alaska. After a while, he came back to Henderson, Texas, and he entered a talent contest that he won. So he he went back to California to try to pursue music. Johnny Horton became known as a saga singer or a story singer. He sang such songs as The Battle of New Orleans, North to Alaska, Sink the Bismarck, and Johnny Reb, among others. His One of his writers was named Merle Kilgore. Merle Kilgore was a well-known writer and a singer of his own right in Nashville. But he and Johnny Horton, along with Johnny Cash, were spiritual seekers. They wanted to know what happened after death. They wanted to know, does life go on or is it all over? So they, they did a lot of spiritual seeking. Uh, in all manners that they could. 
Merle Kilgore, being a writer, uh, had some really odd ways of writing music. For instance, he woke his wife up one night singing a song. And when his wife, when he woke up, his wife asked him what he was doing. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, well, listen to this and walked to the reel-to-reel tape recorder they had, turned it on, and he had been recording himself singing this song in his sleep. And this song was to become Johnny Horton's hit, Johnny Reb, about the Civil War. Um, Merle Kilgore also co-wrote the song Ring of Fire with June Carter for Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash recorded it. But he wrote it from his dream. His dream said that this music should be played in front of a mariachi band. That's why there are trumpets in that song. That's why it has a distinctly Mexican sound to the music. Uh, Very brass. A beautiful song, I might add. I love the song. Johnny had a string of hits, sang a lot of songs, was very popular. Uh, He was a good-looking man. He was uh, well-liked among the people who knew him. But there was some strangeness about Johnny Horton. He had a phobia about drunks. He was afraid that a drunk would be his death. Not that he would be drunk, but that someone else who was drunk would kill him. So whenever he played a club or a venue, he stayed in his dressing room when he was not on stage. His last few days, I guess, last few months, he came to visit Merle Kilgore, his his writer. And he gave Merle Kilgore a custom guitar that he always played in his shows. And Merle said, well, Johnny, I can't accept this. This is your guitar. And Johnny said, yeah, you can accept it because I'm going to die soon. And I'm just going around saying goodbye to all my friends. Apparently, Johnny and Merle and Johnny Cash were fascinated by the magician Harry Houdini. And it is a well-known story that Harry Houdini and his wife Bess had a code worked out so that if one of them died first, they could come back and give this code as proof of life after death for the other partner. Well, of course, Harry died on Halloween night. I forgot what year it was, way, way early on. And every year, his wife would have a seance at the house. And apparently, finally, she received the message that Harry said he would send her. Now that's neither here nor there, but Merle Kilgore and Johnny Horton came up with an idea that they would work out a code that whoever died first would try to come back, and if they gave the code, that meant that they could come back from death. And so they worked out a code, and they they learned it, and they had it. Johnny's last gig was in Austin, Texas, at the Skyline Club. And oddly enough, Hank Williams' last public performance 
was at the Skyline Club in Austin, Texas in 1952. He went home to Alabama after the show and then had this this New Year's Eve, these New Year's Eve gigs lined up that he had to travel to. And of course, he died on the road to the Ohio concert that he was going to. But Johnny Horton was married to Hank Williams' widow, Billie Jean. They got married in September after John, after. Hank Williams died in January. And Hank kissed Billie Jean on the cheek before he left on this final trip. And before he left the Skyline Club, Johnny Horton kissed Billie Jean on the cheek. Got in the car with two other men. Tillman Franks, who was the bass player of Johnny's band. And a, a man named Tommy Tomlinson who was supposed to be the manager of the group. Well, they crawled into Johnny's car, which is a big, huge, long Cadillac with the fins, and they went toward Shreveport, Louisiana, which was where Johnny's next concert was. They went up 35 to Round Rock, Texas, and caught Texas, or US 79, rather, US 79, and headed northeast out of Texas uh, of course, they had a long way to go, but they went through a small town in Texas called Milano, which is where my mother is from. And I've got a lot of cousins and, and relatives there on both sides of my family. But there was a bridge that crossed over what is called the Little River. And Johnny having this fear of drunks, Whenever he would drive, although he was a fast driver, he drove fast like almost everybody else did. He tried to stay to the right as far as possible. And he said, it's an out. He said, if I see a car across the line, I can head for the ditch. Well, this was a two lane bridge. And there was no ditch for Johnny to go into. There was a vehicle coming toward him and it was pinballing its way down the bridge going from one side wall to the other side wall and they nearly hit head on and from the a little bit right of the center of the hood almost to the back wheel Johnny's car was destroyed and Johnny was killed instantly Tillman Franks would eventually lose a leg from the accident and Tommy Tomlinson would have some head injuries. The young man who was 19 driving the other vehicle, which was a Ford Fairlane, was intoxicated. He was drunk. And this fulfilled Johnny's premonition that he would die at the hands of a drunk. The young man driving that Ford Fairlane walked away. Well, didn't walk away, but he got out of the accident with a broken ankle and some minor injuries. And when the crash was over, apparently there was such speed involved that the cars were 300 feet apart on this bridge, one at each end. And according to eyewitness reports, there was debris and glass covering almost the entire bridge surface. 
Johnny Horton's death devastated Merle Kilgore. And Johnny Cash, when he heard about the accident and the death of Johnny Horton, went into his room and locked the door and cried because Johnny Cash had refused a phone call from Johnny Horton before Johnny left Austin. And he said, maybe if I'd have taken that phone call, Johnny would have lived because it would have delayed him on the trip. Now, you might be asking me why I'm talking about a country star getting killed in a car wreck, which while not every day, it's not exactly out of the ordinary. Uh, People get killed in plane crashes. People get killed in car crashes, things like that. Well, I understand that. But here's the deal. Johnny Horton said that he would reach out after death if he could. And there are two stories that give some evidence that Johnny was able to do just that. One of two stories starts this way. Sometime after the accident, Merle Kilgore was visiting a radio station. And his friend, the DJ, was going to have to announce a baseball game. Well, there was time before the game started. So in order to kill the time, he said... Hello, friends, we've got Merle Kilgore, a singer-songwriter in the studio, and we're going to give a listen to his new song. Merle, what's the song? And Merle said, well, it's a song I co-wrote with June Carter, and it's for Johnny Cash, and he recorded it called Ring of Fire. Well, they said, let's listen to the song, and they put the record on. And while the record's playing, they were off microphone, and they were just having a chat. Well, the phone rang. And the DJ answered the phone, hello. And this lady says that she was a psychic and that she was in a group of psychics that met once a week, along with people who were interested in psychic phenomena. They would meet once a week and have meetings, seances, whatever you want to call it. Well, this particular night, the night before this phone call, they were playing with the Ouija board and I would assume that they couldn't call it playing they were serious about it and they started getting messages from they asked a name and they got a message and it was two words and the lady said the first name was Merle and the second name was Kilgore and she said we didn't know who Merle Kilgore is or was because we are not country music fans But now you have him on your radio program. So there's something else I need to tell him. We received a message last night. And we don't understand what it means, but maybe he will. And the DJ said, well, tell us what the message was. And she said, this is what it spelled out. The drummer is a rummer. And he can't hold a beat. Uh, Merle Kilgore almost fell out of his chair because that was the exact code that he and Johnny Horton had worked out to message each other from beyond the grave. Another story that may give evidence of Johnny Horton actually reaching out from beyond the grave came in the form of 
a simple song message. Sometime after the accident, after Tillman Franks had healed, and I'm assuming this is several years later, he was driving to Nashville with a singer named David Houston, who is popular on his own right, said the car radio would not work in the car and their CB radio, which tells you about how far ago this, or how long ago this was, their CB radio would not work either. So they're riding in silence. They talk a little ways, but then they go silent. All of a sudden, the radio, the CB radio, comes to life and and they described it as being jukebox quality music johnny horton singing one of his hits one woman man said the song played beautifully all the way through and when the song ended the radio died again dead silence so Tillman Franks went to Merle Kilgore and told him this story. And Merle Kilgore said, Johnny's telling you that the song is going to be a hit all over again. And Tillman Franks, having been in the band when Johnny sang it the first time, said, well, I hope so, because we didn't do so well with it ourselves. Several years later, the song reached the top ten on the country charts when George Jones released it as a single in 1988. Johnny Horton was only 35 when he died. He believed he would die at the hands of a drunk and he did. He made a promise with his friend Merle Kilgore that if he could he would reach out from beyond death and give him a message that he was still around. And he did, twice. Johnny Horton was one of those unique music individuals who actually got his start in what is called rockabilly music. Well, then he moved into mainstream country music when he was telling his story songs. And Johnny had some beautiful story songs one of his albums that came out uh, presumably after his death was called Johnny Horton's Greatest Hits. It had most of the hits that Johnny Horton is known for. Songs like Johnny Reb, Springtime in Alaska, or When It's Springtime in Alaska, It's 40 Below. The Battle of New Orleans, Sink the Bismarck, North to Alaska, which was in the John Wayne movie of the same name, North to Alaska. The Mansion You Stole, Honky Tonk Man, I'm Ready If You're Willing, Whisperin' Pines, All for the Love of a Girl, Johnny Freedom, Comanche, and I believe there were some more songs on there. Uh, Jim Bridger was a one song that he talked about. Uh, the early American explorer. Johnny Horton was a great singer. He had a beautiful voice. He, he could go high or low. And his songs 
apparently are going to live forever because they're still popular. They've become popular all over again. He did a song called Honky Tonk Man, which Dwight Yoakam did back in the, I think, the late 80s, early 90s. Johnny Horton had a very strange life. He had an even stranger death, and now he's got a strange legacy. Anyway, that's what I've got for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you don't know who Johnny Horton was, look him up. Listen to his music on YouTube. It's wonderful music. Uh, it's not anything like today's music, obviously. You can understand the lyrics, but it's it's good stuff. It's good historical stuff that, you know, maybe not dead on, but it's great. Anyway, that's, that's the show for this week. Uh, thanks again to Aaron and Britt over at Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. And if you have stories for me, which I would love to hear, if you have responses to my shows, which I would love to hear, contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook or at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. If you go to the Mysterious Moments Facebook page, you can see my smiling face. And you can leave messages, which I love to answer. I, I love to talk to people about the shows. And, of course, like I said, on uh, Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com, I'll take your messages, and, and we can we can make a good show. So, anyway, that's what I have for the night, and I just want to thank you for listening. I encourage you to come back next week. I remind you on Monday nights to listen to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. And have a good week. Bye-bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.